to see a lot of um, experienced meditator, you know, focusing on the practice, visiting the monastery more on a regular basis. Yeah, so it just feels like the, uh, the Dhamma is um, you know, transmitting outwards, not just in the monastery, but moving towards uh, uh, the world out there. And... Um, yeah, so this, um, during the evening uh, tea today, uh, yeah, we're just discussing a whole bunch of different things. And I thought, well, the theme that came up was, uh, yeah, um, meditation. Sometimes, a lot of times, we, uh, we bring, or certainly I do anyway, in my early years, bring my own worldly tendency, inclinations to the, to, uh, the practice. It's normal enough, and uh, even though we're told to, uh, that's why I try to remind people, you know, meditation is not about gaining something, even though obviously the reason I came to Perth to be with Ajahn Brahm is I want to get my jhanas. When else would I go from Thailand to Perth? <laughs> so, um, so I had that, you know, in the background, and all the time, I don't know, I'm here to practice whatever happens. So like I said, being... Um, professional person, I was very uh, um, focused on my practice, I was very um, structured, I had my uh, six to eight hours, I was able to finish, knocked off, I had certain things, I had my chanting, what I do, so doing the Patimok at the first year, so that was very nice, just uh, learning how to chant, and, uh, and uh, because I was a professional, so I had things I had to tick up my boxes. So a good monk, you're supposed to know the Patimokya within the first year, so ding dong, check. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, my jhana, take my jhana. Oh, not quite. <laughs> but I was working on it. 
put in my hours in, and uh, writing notes of myself on my journal, giving uh, numbers. I think someone opened my journal, I was horrified over my diary by mistake. I was like, oh, you little stars here in the meditation, huh, Kaima? I was like, no. So I did that, we ranked my meditation, one star, five star, four stars. <laughs> All sorts of things. And, uh, but looking back, yeah, like I said, um, it was good to have the enthusiasm, the energy. And a lot of it was also fueled by um, just in, um, the inspiration. I remember just being so, feeling so happy and blessed to discover, you know, the Buddhist path by accident and feeling um, that uh, um, finally there's something to hold on to. Because working in the world, you know, people told you to have all these worldly values and you get them like, uh, not really happiness. You get to the next level of success. They told me I'll be happy now. Like, mm, not really. And they look for people ahead of me. They didn't look very happy either. So I was thinking, hmm. But then I wasn't spiritual, so I didn't know what else to do. So everybody's doing their career, so I guess I'm stuck in that. But uh, finally discovering Buddhism, path to contentment, cultivating goodness, I really felt like, yep, yep, this is the, uh, for whatever, whatever reason, to, this is really uh, a wonderful thing to, to stumble upon to discover. And uh, like I said, um, you know, being a stockbroker, I knew I had a winner on my hand. This Buddhist thing is a winner, right there. It's a good tech. <laughs> so I threw everything in it, I threw it with my usual uh, energetic self, just threw everything I had into my meditation and, uh, you know, really focused. And looking backward, there was, obviously, there was a momentum to put forth the, the effort, but because of my own um, you know, tendency, there was an underlying um, expectation, wanting to get somewhere, wanting results, which is natural enough. And it caused a fair amount of suffering. You would hit the wall, you would get certain peace, but because the underlying tendency to get somewhere, um, it wasn't as peaceful. As uh, um, you know, the mind was always something. There was always this next stage idea, moving on to the next thing. And even when when the mind when the mind was to become really peaceful, I was like, "Well, okay, that's good. And what's next now?" So this constantly, you know, kind of uh, um, pushing towards. And um, I did. Um, Sometimes I did. Um, what do you call that? Uh, the result of what? Was there was you know, one was the mind wasn't peaceful too, but there was a certain amount of uh, suffering of wanting to push the meditation in a certain way, and a bit of compulsiveness in you know, my counting. I want to my counting. I want to get five rounds. I can say after the five rounds, the meditation is pretty solid. So I want to get five rounds. I would get really annoyed. I couldn't count my breath for five rounds. If I was <laughs> feeling annoyed the whole day, so there was a lot of that going through. And I think even though I still didn't tell people, you know. You know, it isn't really about getting anywhere, it's just doing it. I think people will bring their own tendency to it, and it's natural. And it's, um, so that's where sometimes the path is about, you know, obviously kind of sharing our experience, but also knowing, looking back, that 
realizing that people always have to make their own mistakes along the way and find out for themselves, you know, uh, what does it feel like? Sometimes we um, hear the words, letting go. Well, what does that mean in your actual experience? And how do you come to that place of letting go or acceptance? And, and, and uh, that's kind of um, something um, that uh, I guess you know, people should focus on, you know, bringing these words that we hear from books or from Dhamma talk and, and uh, seeing that in real time, in our experience, what does that feel like? And also sometimes standing back and, you know, when you look back and say, well, meditation, you feel like I'm getting stuck somewhere. To look back and say, what is it I'm holding on to? What is it that I want? And usually the mind is tricky. The kalesas, you know, subtle. On the one hand, yes, we, we think we're letting go. I'm just focused on my breath, letting go of the past and the future and letting go of thinking. But underneath that, there is a wanting, craving somewhere. Somewhere. If the mind is not getting peaceful, then go back and reflect, what is it that I'm trying to hold on to? Where is the residual longing? Sometimes it's not so obvious. Yeah, so it's just kind of a lot of time, it's just pulling back and just feeling it um, with the, uh, the meditation. Yeah, I remember, uh, I always had to knock off my Dhamma talk every day, so every time I would listen to Dhamma talk, I listened to hundreds of talks about Jim Rahm the first few years. Every day there's a Dhamma talk, every day there's a Dhamma talk. You almost quote him <laughs> when he says. But it was really nice. I found it, you know, pretty good for walking meditation, tremendously inspiring. Sometimes you feel like you're walking on, on air because it's, you know, so much energy and so much, uh, um, so much faith in the whole process. And, um, but um, as the practice develops, you'll feel that sometimes it's mostly a feeling. Not, and then, like I was saying in, in the, uh, the tea, there is, you know, a certain perspective. There's one perspective that you're sitting there doing your practice, watching your breath or scanning the body or doing the contemplation. You feel like things are kind of moving and clicking into place, like the puzzles, pieces are coming together, things are making more sense. You're seeing bits and pieces of suffering and learning how to resolve different situations, feeling a bit more subtle, sense of well-being increases, sense of joy increases, so that seems like things are moving in the right direction. And sometimes things are seems like moving in the other direction. So there's this kind of uh, um, the day-to-day perspective of you know, mood swings and feelings of happiness and uh, feeling of doubt or feeling of annoyance and irritation or fault-finding and that uh, personality differences, so that's the usual stuff that you get. But there's another level, there's, you know, like there's just things that are happening independently, it seems like your practice happening independently on your kind of uh, driving it. Yeah. So sometimes it feels like, um, what good stimuli I hear, like, it's like you're on the plane already, and that you're going to get to that destination regardless. And some people are sitting and being peaceful. Other people are just running around, upwards and forwards, running around. But they're still going to get there, whether they're you know, doing things or not. Felt like they're doing things. So sometimes it feels like that. You know, we have our it's like in your DNA, your your path to liberation. 
it's kind of set causally. And then it, no matter what you do, it seems like you're going to be driven towards it. The Dhamma is pulling you slowly towards a certain destination, regardless of ourselves. And we will try this practice, try that practice, but it feels like, you know, it's already moving in that direction. And, and uh, so much of it is out of control. So much of it we think, you know, you know how's the practice going? And are you putting in the hours? Are you getting more peaceful? Are you getting the nimitta? Or are you getting your, your samadhi together? And other times it's just, you know, not so peaceful. But I think the main point is that in the practice is really, um, yes, you try to reflect on the experience, not to make the mistake over and over again. But I think sometimes even that is out of your control, that you're going to through, go through periods when literally you're just, you know, um, mind is very restless, just want to settle. Other time it's just lots of sloth and torpor. And other time it's just doubting coming up. And the main thing, not to take that so seriously, just, just really the point, looking back, really is just to know that Meditation, even the practice, isn't about peace. It's not about being peaceful, really. It's not about even cultivating wisdom. It's just about, well, yeah, more to wisdom. It's about knowing that it is just that much. Like sometimes we go into periods, you know, previously, lots of activity, lots of people coming. Yep, this feels like that. Business feels like this. Things happening. You know, looking after 30 kids feels like this. Not bad, not good, just feels like this. Yeah. Meditation, when you sit, you have busy mind. Busy mind feels like that. Peacefulness feels like that. I know there's really a, a, a tendency to say, yes, I finally made it. Oh, now I know. Now I know what I'm doing. And then the next time you sit, it all falls apart. And that's just the nature of meditation in the beginning. Just so that you don't quite, you kind of know what you're doing, but you kind of walk in the dark and feeling and bump into things and thinking you're going the right direction sometimes, you realize, oh, I'm in the wrong direction and moving. But it's not bad, just kind of, as long as, like I said, the practice, the main thing is to really get on your bum on the seat and the rest will take care of itself. As long as you put in the hours, you know, being aware, being awake knowing what's happening, the rest will happen naturally on your own. Whether, and whether it's peaceful or not, that's not particularly the point. The point is really this awareness to understand what's happening, to know when your mind is, you know, doubting, doubting feels like that. That you just, nothing's for sure, you don't really know where you're going, it's just, you know, it's Ashton Brown, the right teacher, am I really wasting my time, I should be in Thailand with all the Kurubachan. I'm doing something else. And it's just like, yeah, it's just doubting. And that, that's what the mind goes through sometimes. And then you got to, you know, I talked about, you go through the irritation, you know, when, you, when you're not so inspired anymore. When you're really bored of all the jokes, you can recite, you know, all the jokes that come here, comes the punchline, you can hear that. You hear it over and over again. Because sometimes, you know, with most... Uh, Teacher, you'll see they, they use the same thing over and over again. In the morning, it's the same joke. In the afternoon, same joke. At night, okay, yeah, use the same joke because it works and people like it. So they're like, oh God, here we go again. So some of you think, oh, stop laughing at these jokes. And, oh, stop telling them. <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> but uh, and then you reach the one when 
you know, that you feel annoyed with everything. But how does that, what does that feel? And just to stay with that. And like I said, it wasn't actually, you know, but yeah. sometimes I felt like it was with, within my power. I had a choice. If I had a choice, I would have left. But for some reason, I didn't have a choice. I just stuck around with it. And it just progressed, you know, and yeah. And you, you find that there is, um, and looking back, it's just, um, as long as there is the focus, the faith, the wisdom, whatever thing that you rouse up, just to stay in the ring one more day. Just continue pursuing wholesome state. Continue training the mind. Continue learning to accept, learning to let go. You know, no matter what the problem you think you're facing is. Looking back, these are just kind of blip on the, the radar screen and they don't stay for very long. And I find that, you know, through my experience, um, it is sometimes through the difficulties that you learn about. Having difficulties with another person, having difficulties with your meditation, having difficulties relating to your teacher or whatever. Um, you grow from that as long as you don't take it so seriously. Don't you make it a self out of it. Make a problem out of it. These things, you know, nothing is a nothing is a major deal. Nothing is a problem really. These are just, you know, happiness and suffering, gain and loss, fame and disrepute. These just worldly conditions that move around us. But they're not who you are. They don't define you or your practice. The main thing is meditation is not even um, like I said you know it's important to continue sitting but it's not always a sitting formal meditation a lot of time it is just you know um, doing active things just helping out where it's necessary just um, you know being of service and I remember you know sometimes you know there's uh, being a junior monk and I don't like I said something that look like you're like why and it's just a lot of times you don't know why, but it's just the ability just to give in to the situation. You know, like, there's lots of building projects at Bodhinyana for different reasons. And Ajahn Brahmani is always doing work in the afternoon as well as the morning. And he would always look for a volunteer. For some strange reason, guess who he picks every single time? <laughs> like, there's 20 months. <laughs> but now, later I realize, yeah, because I make a good golfer, I don't say anything, I just hand him his tools. <laughs> I don't talk very much. And I didn't give very much opinion, so I didn't know much building. So I said, you're a perfect goer, because you don't know much building, so you don't give me any advice how to build anything. You just, you know, hold my ladder, give my tools, run for this, run for that. So that's what the builders want, a good golfer who doesn't say much and just gives them the tools. <laughs> so, uh, and that, so other times, like, yeah, okay, sure, sure, I'll spend the afternoon handing tools to you, Ajahn. <laughs> and that's, uh, and other times you're thinking, you know, this is, really terrible thing. I, I want to go back and learn, you know, I've got a, a long list of things. I've got to do my patimoka, I've got to listen to Dhamma talks, and I've got to uh, meditate. Well, those guys sitting around having coffee club, you should pick one of them. <laughs> but of course he doesn't. <laughs> and at the time you thought, oh, this is you know, a terrible thing, but it isn't. It's just, the practice is about um, ability to give up, to surrender into the situation. And I thought, yeah, it, it, and then after a while, it, and as long as you 
in a turn of perspective, saying, yeah, and it does. And I was helping. It's like, you know, well, you're not really wasting your time, you know, okay, well, you're helping, you know, build the kuti, put the roof on, fix the plumbing, you know, you're helping a lot of people. And it's also out of, you know, that this is like rent. You know, you come to a building and it's nicely all fixed, so obviously to live in it, you've got to fix it for the next person or to keep it going. So, yeah, so I try to keep that in mind. It's, after all, it, you know, it's uh, not such a bad thing because you are providing a service to the community. People come and meditate. So, so that always follows. So you find ways to kind of not allow the negativity, the, you know, the complaining mind who says, you know, I want to do something else. I want to do what I do. So it is, you know, like I said, even during those periods when you think that you're wasting your time, I thought I was wasting my time, but it is really a practice as well, looking back on it. There is a practice in letting go and giving up, or being a service. So, no matter what, what situation you find yourself, whether in the monastery or even in, in your day-to-day life, um, trying to use all that period to cultivate you know, different wholesome states. And at least how to relate to whatever it is you're relating to with wholesome states, as opposed to with negativity, fault-finding, a problem, or complaining. And we can always do that, no matter what we're doing, what our situation is. And the point of the practice is, yeah, it's just focusing, wholesome, a lot of time counting your blessings, really rejoicing in the fact that we've probably discovered the Dhamma, that we literally have hit the jackpot of good karma, of cultivating peace and stillness, having the place to practice, having good friendship, and then, yeah, when, when there are opportunities yeah, to uh, learn to focus on the mind and, and learn to practice samadhi in different ways to calm the mind down. And that in itself isn't, isn't uh, just to be peaceful. And that's the one the thing about the practice samadhi is very strange. And it's very unexpected trying to keep the mind of a, you know, like a beginner's mind, kind of a Zen saying. Because you don't know. Sometimes you think, yeah, you know, the mind's really tired and you sit and it's like, you know, so much of the meditation, good meditation I get was just sitting, waiting around. It's just, you know, whatever, waiting around for things to happen, waiting for Ajahn Brahm to come, waiting to do different things. And you sit and, and yeah, the mind can be very, very peaceful. It can drop into this, you know, peaceful state very quickly. And because you didn't have any expectation, there wasn't a plan, there wasn't a wanting. So you notice that, and then you begin to get the better feel for how meditation works. It is, you know, sitting and bringing up wholesome states. And then just allowing things to happen. The more, the more there is an undercurrent of craving or wanting, then that's where the disturbance comes in. And then, like I always remind people over and over again, and it's something that you have to take that into your practice. You have to know for yourself that there is no next step. What do I do next? Do not ask that question. That is the number one mistake that people make. What do I do next? I get here, I'm get to here now. I get the Nimitai channel. How do I make it brighter, sharper? And different people talk about it. But I found that it's not doing anything with the Nimitta that settles the mind, settles the, the, the whole thing. It's that I'm going to move it this way, I'm going to make it bigger. I just said, you know, to focus on the brighter spot, uh, do this and that, the other trick. Really, it's 
It might work for some people, but it's another wanting, another managing. And the practice is about being happy with whatever's happening, being happy that the body is, you know, is settling, being happy that you're with the breath, being happy that you know, there's a light there, even though it's not the brightest light, or it's not moving, or it's not, not the right color. Just happy where you are. And then things happen by themselves. That's the main thing. There is stages of samadhi, but it doesn't get there by planning, wanting, or craving. They happen naturally on their own when the time is right, when the conditions are right. When there's true letting go, where you're not pretending, okay, I'm going to watch the breath for 30 minutes, because that's what Ajahn Brown says, and then you're giving me samadhi. That's what happens. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You've got to just be happy with the breath, and then things will happen naturally. It is when you are most content. It is when you are truly letting go that the mind does settle down. But it comes from that. And there's no, you know, there's no playing games, basically. You know, we play different games with ourselves on certain levels. And when you truly let go, then the mind will become peaceful. So, you know, it's not so much of it. It isn't about, you know, the result. You cultivate, you know, the, the peaceful state by making peace. Whatever's happening, this is good enough. Happy to be here, happy to be sitting, happy to be in the monastery. You know, asking to be peaceful and asking to, to have a great time with everybody, knowing that there's, from time to time there are you know, friction, irritation. That's just normal. But as long as you cultivate this you know, mind of you know, gratitude, contentment, of making peace, acceptance, then you know that you're going in the right direction. You know that you're just one, one day closer to ending suffering. One day closer to the Buddha. One day closer to the Dhamma. One day closer to the Sangha. So, as I try to remind you, caution you, about enjoying the journey, and not to worry about the destination. Hopefully, each and every one of you will take these words about letting go, acceptance, and Kind of bring that to your experience. What does that feel for you? How does that translate into your personal experience? And make that part of your Dhamma practice.